Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Save big money and transform your home with new appliances now at Menards. We offer the lowest prices and the largest in-stock appliance selection ready to take home today. Check out top appliance brands, including KitchenAid, Maytag, Whirlpool, Amana, and Criterion. Upgrade your home and save big money on new appliances at Menards. Shop our entire selection of appliance options online today at Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. What else with Corey Mann on the Studio DNA Podcast Network? One on one conversations with some of your favorite artists. Find this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and Spreaker.com. What else with Corey Mann on the Studio DNA Podcast Network? Do you like sports? Because we like sports. Let's talk about sports. It's Sports Jack. Sports Jack. It's Sports Jack. This is episode 257 of the Sports Yak Podcast. Is it? Is it really? It is. Are we sure? Technical difficulties are apologies. Okay. Well, if we're going to say this is episode 257, then this is going to be the Ian Kinsler episode. Ian Kinsler. 257 career home runs for somebody who played the bulk of his career with the Texas Rangers, also played with the Tigers for four years. Oh, and by the way, he has the most homers of any major league player born in Israel. That's right, born in Israel. He's now an executive with the San Diego Padres. He's he's Ian Kinsler. Once again, our apologies. Chuck put a whole lot of work into our 256 episode. I'll take the blame for that. Well, you know, it these things happen. Things it's they happen. Family Broadcasting Corporation in association with the Studio DNA Podcast Network presents Sports Yak. One host knows sports. And who's right there? The other doesn't know sports, but somehow they meet in the middle. Here's your host, Corey Mann. Get your big butt out of here! And Indiana Sports Broadcast Hall of Famer, this one will be relived, Chuck Freebie. Forever! Let's start with the Masters. Dustin Johnson is the world's number one player, and he showed everybody why. He made uh, the Masters look like the greatest, uh, greater Augusta City Kmart Open because he was putting up scores that they're not used to seeing at Augusta National. A record-breaking 20 under par... For Johnson in this one, he easily wins the Masters. In fact, there was really no drama whatsoever on Sunday. And so Dustin Johnson wins his second major, gets his first green jacket, and 
They'll do it all over again at Augusta, the schedule says, first weekend of April. So we're not that far away from the next Masters. <laughs> Here's hoping. Tiger Woods, you know, a lot of people were hoping he could get his six Masters. He wound up posting a 10 on a hole. He had a septuple bogey, put three in the water. He looked like us. Like Kevin Costner in Tin Cup. Yeah. Drop the ball again. So if there's one thing about golf, it can be a very humbling sport. And uh, it was for some people over the weekend, but not for Dustin Johnson, the husband of Paulina Gretzky, who got a lot of airtime, I understand, on the telecast. Yeah. One of, one of my friends said, I was all right with that. She, I take it, has her mother's looks. Uh, yes, she does not look like Wayne. She looks a lot more <laughs> like Janet. And she can thank the good Lord above for that. So uh, the governor of Michigan made some announcements yesterday, and that has had a ripple effect on high school sports. Why don't you run that down for us? Okay, so what's going to happen is all high school sports in the state of Michigan go on pause for three months. Now, that means the winter sports seasons get delayed a little bit with their practices and their games. For the fall sports, some of the tournaments were already concluded. Volleyball and swimming were still going on, and their state finals were scheduled for this weekend. They pick up, and they can probably play their state finals that Saturday. December 8th is when the executive order ends. So I think the Saturday after that is the 12th, and they could probably play those then. Football is in a pickle. Football just completed district championships over the weekend. Congratulations to Edwardsburg, Lakeshore, and Constantine on winning district football titles. They were all set to go for the regionals. The Michigan High School Athletic Association, which, by the way, was not consulted by the governor before this decision, has said that it's suspending the tournaments and will try to resume them. The problem is there's three weeks left in the football tournament. And if you resume it on that December 12th, that weekend, when we talked about volleyball and swimming resuming, that means your state championships would be Christmas weekend. Christmas is on Friday, December 25th. You're not playing that weekend. So do you push the state championships to the middle of the following week and play them the 29th or the 30th, like at Ford Field then? What's the bowl game situation for Ford Field then? I think it's open, but I'm not sure. There's some headaches that have to be solved up for Mark Ewell and the MHSAA right now because they got to figure out how and if they conclude this. And that's just the state finals. Remember, you got to play the regionals in the semi-state. Corey, I'll ask you as a longtime Michigan resident, what's it like in Michigan in December? It is freezing cold. Does it snow sometimes? No, it snows all the time. <laughs> yeah. So, now, I understand. Chuck, football can be played in the snow. Yes, yeah. yes, it can. But is that the optimal condition? Is that really how you want your championship being decided? So, can, I, can I be the one parent in the stands real quick? Do you think there's any coach that's just like, hey, guys, we're done. I'm not, we're not dealing with this. We have to move no. on to other stuff. No. Or they're going not, to see not this Not if you're through. still in the tournament. 
Mm-hmm. You know, there's only 64 teams left in the Michigan State Tournament, eight in each classification. You've made it this far. You want to see it through. You want to see just how good you are. Because I guarantee you, there's not a team that won a district championship that isn't good. So, what if what if what if she says, "Oh, you can play, but it'll end on the 26th." I don't think she had. I don't think she's interested in saying that. She's just interested in trying to control the virus. She's not interested in being such a puppeteer that she's going to dictate to the MHSAA yeah. when the tournament ends. Okay. No, that's, I mean, I know a lot of people don't like her. I, I'm not her biggest fan, but she's she's not looking to micromanage every part of this. Okay. However, the, there's a huge problem there. When your football season extends well into your basketball season, at a lot of these schools, especially the smaller ones, the football players are the basketball players. So now you're realistically probably not starting basketball until the 8th of January. Don't they have tryouts? Wasn't it supposed to be this week? Well, yeah, yeah. for a lot of teams. Yeah. Mm. But that's not going to be the case because even the winter sports teams can't practice for three weeks. So we'll see. We'll see what the ramifications are after that three weeks is up, and we'll see how it impacts other states. I have the feeling in Indiana, and I'm not basing this on any conversations I've had with anybody. This is purely speculative. I'll be very surprised if we get to the point where more than parents are allowed at basketball games. I, I just think we're headed that way. Parents only. Two, yeah. two people per player. Two people per player. Okay. And that's who you'll have. I kind of feel like that's what we're doing now with, well, with eighth grade basketball. Mm-hmm. It's two people. I get it. Yeah. And we watch it online if we can't go. Right. And I'll grant you, but it, it it's a diminished experience. Oh, now, yeah. would you rather play or not play? Every, every kid is going to say, I'd rather play. Mm-hmm. So... If that's the case and that's the way you have to play, then that's the way it is. You'll have some big numbers uh, this winter with your basketball numbers for online viewing. Probably. Well, we had big numbers Friday night for our high school football game in Indiana. Why don't we just segue into Indiana high school football? Can we? Uh, Merrillville and Elkhart was a heck of a game Friday night at Rice Field. Pirates win at 27-24 in an absolute classic. Uh, we had... Nearly 24,000 viewers on our Facebook page, and I don't know how many others we had through the IHSAA or through YouTube, but it was a, a terrific game, tremendous audience. Well, well lit. Well lit, well played by both teams. Uh, even though there were turnovers, uh, I thought just extraordinary effort on the part of both teams. That was an enjoyable football game to watch. Mm-hmm. I agree. Uh, congratulations to the Marion Knights. They are the lone Indiana school in our viewing and listening area, still live in the tournament. They are ranked number two. Bishop Chittard is ranked number one. Those two teams go head-to-head Friday night at Atulski Field in Mishawaka. We'll be there as well. Now, if you want to watch a live stream of the game this week, you have to pay. 
The IHSAA, in an effort to make up revenue from lost ticket sales throughout the tournament, is going to charge $14.95 for you to watch the game. The thought being, if you're watching it with another person, uh, the average ticket price for a semi-state is 8 bucks. So you're actually saving some money that way. If you watch it with your whole family, you're saving a ton of money. If you'd want to watch all 12 semi-state games Friday night, uh, the cost for that is nineteen ninety-five. So only a five dollar markup. So if you're the kind of if you're a Joe football fan, you just want to click around the state, see all the other games, and kind of kind of NFL red zone it. Mm-hmm. You can do that for twenty bucks. Will your broadcast still be on at eleven that night? Yes. Okay. All right. So if you have patience, but if you don't or have or Saturday morning at nine. Yes. Sorry. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. I thought the Notre Dame-Boston uh, College game was very enjoyable to watch as a fan. Oh, a lot of scoring in it. Yeah. 45-31. BC gave them a game for about a half. Um, the whole storyline of Phil Jerkovic is angry. He's angry at Notre Dame, and he's going to get his revenge was a bit overplayed. Didn't look angry to me at all. He looked like a kid that just wanted to play football. Yeah, and here's the other thing. After the game, he sure wasn't angry with the line of teammates, former teammates at Notre Dame, that came up to say hello to him, get a picture taken with him, see how he was doing, things like that. Yeah. So there didn't appear to be any anger there at all. Forcing a narrative, it sounds like. Yeah. The the real storyline of that game was the continued development of Ian Book, who played back-to-back. If you take Clemson and Boston College, those are the two best games that he's played at Notre Dame. He is peaking at the right time for the Irish. And suddenly, Ian Book, first two passes he threw in that game, very aggressive passes into tight windows, completed them, got him going. I thought Notre Dame was much more aggressive offensively, uh, pushing the ball down the field somewhat. Avery Davis gives them a little bit different dimension at receiver than what they have with some others. Obviously, Ben Skoranek has now become uh, the go-to receiver Mm. in the red zone and solves some of their red zone problems for them. And the Irish wind up winning 45-31, so they've got a bye week this week, a much-needed bye week. I think those guys need to be able to rest their bodies, get a breather, and get ready for a North Carolina team that put 59 on the board last Saturday against Wake Forest. So that defense needs to get a little rest and needs to spend some time studying film with the Tar Heels. Out of pure curiosity, uh, on campus, what's happening with students right now? Are they almost done? Yeah, they will wrap up, I believe, the Tuesday before Thanksgiving is their last day. And does the team stay on campus? team will stay on campus because they keep playing until December 19th and beyond. So the team will stay on campus. I'll be curious as to what Brian Kelly does or does not do with them in terms of Christmas. Should they make a well, they're gonna make a bowl game, should they make the college football playoff? But Thanksgiving wise, they're not traveling. You know, separate players are not going home. Well, no, they never do that anyway because they're always playing they're always Thanksgiving playing. weekend. Okay. So that's nothing new for them. Mm-hmm. Okay. Indiana. How about the Hoosiers? Whack Michigan State 24-0. The game was never close. Uh, Indiana got a great game from Ty Freifogel. 
200 yards receiving, couple of touchdowns. Michael Penix Jr. continues to look dominant at quarterback. That defense for Indiana is a difference maker. It's why they're 4-0. And, of course, the stakes get really high this Saturday. Number nine, Indiana. Number three, Ohio State in Columbus at the Big Horseshoe. Noon kickoff. Uh, that'll be on Fox, by the way, on TV and, of course, on Pulse FM on radio. But that's a showdown. Uh, an emotional moment in that game. Tom Allen's son, Thomas, uh, had a had a bad leg injury in the game, and they had to bring the cart out for him. And they lift him on the cart, and his dad comes out as, you know, when he comes out on the field, it's the head coach coming out on the field. But when you see who's laying there, that's your kid laying there on the field. And so he gave him a hug and and uh, said something into his ear. And then after the game, uh, ESPN, I think it was, no, ABC, got a shot of Tom Allen talking to his son who was now on crutches and giving him a hug. And you could tell he got a little, got a little teary-eyed with it and, it was it was emotional to watch. Sudden, suddenly, there was moisture in the eyeballs. Uh, what position does his son play? He's a linebacker. Okay. So, he'll be missed. Um, Hoosiers don't have tons of depth. They have good players, but not tons of depth. So, they could use him. Uh, but that's going to be a huge game on Saturday. That Purdue, kind of a disappointing loss, falling to Northwestern 27-20. And I have to ask the question what's up with Rondale Moore? I mean, Rondale Moore is a big-time receiver. A lot of people expected him to be an NFL draft pick. He opted out this season because of COVID when the Big Ten said they weren't playing. When the Big Ten said they were playing, he said, okay, I'm back in. But he hasn't played a game for Purdue. And Purdue has not said why. Purdue has not Purdue has said he does not have COVID. But Purdue is not saying why Rondale Moore hasn't played. Now, I don't know if it leads to all kinds of speculation. Mm-hmm. I could sit here and spit out three different rumors, none of which are based on fact. They're just speculative. You know, is he hurt? Did he maybe in that interim sign with an agent and they're trying to work through getting that unsigned so he can play. It doesn't sound like that. It sounds like it's a week-to-week thing where Rondale kind of comes to Jeff Brom and says, no, I'm not playing. Well, if that's the case, that's a problem. And Purdue could have used him on Saturday night against Northwestern. And they didn't have him. They lost 27-20. Xander Horvath out of Marion played a wonderful game, led the Boilermakers in receiving yards, but he's a running back. He shouldn't be leading them in receiving yards. And, oh, by the way, the last two regular season games that Purdue has lost, Peyton Ramsey has been the quarterback for both of them. Peyton Ramsey quarterbacked IU to a bucket wing game at the end of last year and then transferred from IU to Northwestern and beat Purdue again on Saturday night. What's uh? Sorry to rewind one second. What's Ohio State's record right now? They are undefeated. They did not play last week, so I think they're just three and zero. They were supposed to play Maryland. Maryland had problems with the COVID, so Ohio State had the week off. 
and now we'll get ready for IU on Saturday. Mm-hmm. You want to throw in this uh, South Carolina headline? Uh, Will Muschamp, the head coach at South Carolina, is no longer the head coach at South Carolina. He's 2-5. and five. He's lost three in a row. In those three losses, they've averaged giving up 53 points a game. They lost to Mississippi. If, if you're on the social media, look up Lane Kiffin clipboard, and you'll see a great video where Mississippi has the ball deep in its own territory, like back at about its own 10. And Lane Kiffin is called to play. And this is against South Carolina on Saturday night. And as Lane Kiffin is watching the play, before the quarterback throws the ball, Lane Kiffin is signaling touchdown because he sees his receiver breaking open behind everybody. Sure enough, the quarterback delivers the ball in stride and Lane Kiffin sends his clipboard sailing towards Mars. I mean, this thing had some loft to it. Oh, I have to see that. And then he goes running down the sidelines with his receiver as far as he can be without getting a warning, gives a big fist pump. And that was basically the dagger to the Will Muschamp era at South Carolina. Now, of course... Twitter is great for a lot of things, including uh, unsubstantiated speculation. And a lot of people in South Carolina think their new head coach is going to be either James Franklin from Winless Penn State or Jim Harbaugh from One Lost Michigan. Let's talk about the Wolverines for a second. I I was wondering if you were going to bring up Michigan at all. Let's talk about the Wolverines for a second. So after... The Notre Dame game, my bride and I decided uh, we were going to redeem her free birthday pizza at a local South Bend eatery. And so we went to said eatery, which was fairly empty, but they have uh, many TVs on with football. And by the time we got there, it was already 14 nothing Wisconsin. And I thought, ooh, that's not a good start for the maize and blue. Well, it didn't get any better, did it? No, it did not. They look awful and urban meyer had some really good comments i don't know if you watch any of the college pregame shows on saturday i don't okay yours that's it you're watching game of the week which is what america is doing too but the struggling little shows on espn and fox that have to compete with the 46 game of the week globally yeah and just can't um urban meyer's on the one on fox And he talked about when a team's going bad, he goes, it's really the head coach's responsibility to lift up the hood, look under the hood, and figure out what the heck's going on. And he says his experience has been it's one of three things. He goes, it's not bad players. He goes, you didn't recruit bad players. So it's not not bad. You can't just say, well, we have bad players. It's one of three things. You have a trust problem within your program. Either the coach doesn't trust the players, the players don't trust the coach, or the players don't trust each other. He says that's, that's one of the problems you could have. The second is a communication problem that you have, you have not properly communicated the standards, 
of the program to the players so they can't properly meet the standards. That that somewhere in there there is they've either stopped listening or you know, you're not communicating the message in a way that they understand what you want from them. The third is you have a problem with work ethic. That they just don't understand that in order to achieve at the level that they're expected to achieve at, they have to work harder. And he said one of those three things is likely the ha- the problem at Michigan, at Penn State, at wherever you see a team that is having has had success all of a sudden not have success. Trust, communication, work ethic. Yeah. Wow. Fascinating. It boils down to those three things. And he would know. Well, and really, if you stop and think about it, that could be true not only for any sports team, but any organization. Yeah. Any business. If you're not having success, you have to stop and say, okay, do I trust people to do their job? Do they trust me to lead them? Am I communicating our standards and practices and uh, goals and expectations effectively? And are we working hard enough? Do I have people who work hard enough? Do I work hard enough as a leader? That's good stuff, man. Yeah. That's real good. I, I, I found that very enlightening from Urban Meyer. I thought about that quite a bit over the weekend, how to apply it in different areas of my life as well. Did you have to shush a server between number two and number three, bringing you your pizza? Well, he didn't say this while the Michigan game was going on. No. <laughs> oh, that would no. have been awesome. No. Halftime. Here's what I see. No, <laughs> not at all. Okay. Gosh, what's up for them next? I didn't even look. Yeah. I don't know. Oof. Wow. I think most people were hoping Gretchen would put three weeks on them and say <laughs> and say oh. you're done. Let's uh, step up into the world of the NFL, Chuck Freebie. Well, the Detroit Lions, this was a fascinating game to watch yesterday from a storyline perspective. It had nothing to do with the Lions. Washington quarterback Alex Smith was making his first start in two years. The reason he was making his first start in two years is he had just gotten done with 17 different surgeries. He had a leg injury in a game that was as gruesome as you're ever going to see two years ago. And some people wondered if he was even going to live, worse yet, play again. So 17 surgeries later, he has recovered enough and rehabbed enough that he could be on the field for the Washington Redskins. He made his first start in two years, and all he did was complete a career-high 38 passes for 390 yards. The Lions had a 21-point lead at one point in this game, and all of a sudden, back come the Redskins, and they tie it up at 27-27 with 16 seconds left. Here were the last 16 seconds for the Lions. Roughing the passer penalty on Washington, which moved the ball from the Lion 25 to the Lion 40. Um, 10-yard pass to the 50. 10-yard pass, or excuse me, 8-yard pass 
to the 42-yard line. Timeout with two seconds left. They trot Matt Prater out there. Matt Prater is one of the kickers in the NFL. He's been around for a long time. He's easily in his 30s. And they showed right be- So he's lining up for a 59-yard field goal. And kudos to the Fox team, which shoots kickers during warm-ups. And they showed he made a 60-yarder in warm-ups, no problem. So now they dissolve to live action. Now, the difference in warm-ups is you don't have anybody coming at you. Yeah. So live action, 59-yarder, this thing would have probably been good from 70. He booms it through the uprights, and the Lions win 30-27. to so they're four and five now in the NFC North. They're not going to be a playoff team. There's too many good teams in the NFC. But at least they're representing. At least they've come out and shown a little bit of gumption here in the last couple of weeks. Monday night football tonight, we'll see how much gumption the Chicago Bears have. They take on the Minnesota Vikings on Monday night football. Bears are five and four. They've lost three in a row. Their offensive line is a shambles. They won't have David Montgomery at running back, he's out with a concussion. Matt Nagy has given up the play-calling duties to his offensive coordinator, Bill Lazor. So, what's going to happen with the Bears? Because the Vikings, who started the season pretty lousy, have won two in a row now. Mm-hmm. And they're playing better football. And all of a sudden, this Bears team that was the number one seed in the NFC after six weeks is not even a playoff contender right now. Well, maybe some of these decisions will give them a better laser focus. Maybe. I will say that the Bears all-time against the Vikings on Monday Night Football are 5-2. and two. So there's hope there. Can I go back to that Washington story real quick? Mm-hmm. The psyche of that player, 17 surgeries, two years not playing, and Washington says, get in there. Yeah. What that must say to him as a... Well, part of that is because Washington had quarterbacks get banged up and they were injured. Yeah. So if you're, it's like, I've already gone through 17 surgeries and now i got to play behind this offensive line. <laughs> but when you've worked that hard yeah. to get back and stayed that dedicated to rehabilitate yourself and get back on a football field, the opportunity to start a game 15 years after he was the number one draft pick coming out of college. So this guy's in his upper 30s. And to get back out there and then to perform as well as he did. Yes. Granted, the Cinderella part of the story would have been, and they get the win. Yeah. But on an individual basis, you know, sometimes you can play a great individual game and it's still not going to work out because football's the ultimate team game. But to have an individual game as he did uh, – what a great story for Alex Smith. Yeah. Sounds like a Disney movie, doesn't it? Yeah. Bears Vikings tonight, like you said. Okay. Well, we'll see That's what happens. That's an 815 kickoff on ESPN, by the way. So I'll listen to you tomorrow morning to give me my yeah, score. I'll be checking highlights when I wake Woo. up. Where you want to go? You want to talk about Penn here real quick? We can real quick. Girls basketball. Penn still ranked number one. Uh, they've got a game with John Glenn tomorrow night at the Palace. And Marion 15th, Marion won a showdown with South Bend, Washington last week by 10. And the Knights and Kingsmen will likely find their way on the 46th schedule in December. We'll probably release that. Uh, we're only going to release it 
about a month at a time this year. There's no sense in <laughs> releasing a full schedule. Right. That that would just be folly. Mm-hmm. But uh, we'll release the December portion of our schedule probably tomorrow. And, and I'm willing to bet the, the December 11th matchup between the Penn and Marion girls will make its way onto that schedule. Okay. And one more time, this Friday, Marion Bishop Shatard yes. in Mishawaka. In Mishawaka, 7 o'clock kickoff. Mm-hmm. So, overrated, underrated. Now, we can use what we had for 256. If you want to repeat that, if you don't think people will go back and listen to Friday's episode. I think they will. Okay. I think we're going to make that work, and they'll go back and listen. Because right. uh, I know people like to do things in order. Yes. I feel good about that. All right. So 257, do you have? I have just one. Okay. I have two. To me, they're they're very similar. I'm almost embarrassed to bring both of them on the same show, but I will. Okay. The Moody Blues. Oh, wow. I uh, I have two memories growing up listening to music on the school bus when I got home, turn on the radio, doing homework, of two particular groups that I just thought, how in the world are you on the radio? One was the Moody Blues, and the other one was Asia. Ah. I just, I, I mean, Asia had like two songs I was okay with, Moody Blues, I think I literally can name one song. So I I'm not a fan. I Clearly. cannot I cannot tell you uh in good confidence how I truly feel. Well, you could. I mean I could. Do you want to go ahead and say overrated? Um, because in your mind they are. Yeah, they're overrated. A- anybody who sat there and talked about moody blues with you, you would say, eh, not that good. Yeah, not that don't know, don't care. They just didn't have an effect on me. Okay. I w- Were they knights in white satin? Is that yeah. them? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, no. How about you? I mean, I would say they're kind of down the middle. Okay. I, you know, I don't hear anybody talking about them like, oh, my goodness. Yeah, you don't. But if there's so- certain songs come on, and I think, well, that's all right. I think I played in your wildest dreams. Yeah, I think, that, was, I, I think that I, one popped up every I, now I and then. I kind of like that song. Okay. So, who do you have? This is not in your wheelhouse. Oh, wow. Okay. But I think from an objective uh, viewpoint, you might have something. Beastie Boys. Mm. Okay, you're right. It's not in my wheelhouse. Um, boy, for... Another one of these groups that for a period of three to four years, as big as it got, but kind of lacks the staying power. Now, there are certain riffs that you'll hear and immediately you know that's them. Mm -hmm. But I'd say, for me, a little overrated. Okay. But not a lot because I can appreciate some of the staying power that their stuff has. Mm-hmm. What about you? I would say underrated. And why? Uh, I think they truly ushered in sampling in that okay. genre. Yeah. Which is such a staple now. Um, I think a lot of people don't know that they were one of the pioneers of a band that got their website up and running to the point of merchandise sales. Mm. They had a fan that came to them. Really? 
Yeah, and he he had started a Beastie Boys message board. They invited him to one of their festivals and said, tell us more about what it is you're doing here and you're interacting with fans. Mm-hmm. And they kind of created the blueprint of that whole okay. arm of artist. I think their music videos were what would be considered groundbreaking. I think they did stuff that's like, what in the world that would inspire other people? And the one album that I think they're known most for Four, which I think you would talk about those riffs you were talking about. Yeah. License to Ill, which came out uh, musical history yesterday, 1986, is the one album that it just wasn't them. They were doing what they were told. Huh. And so their viewpoint and their lyrics and how they acted back then yeah. was a, look, if you're going to succeed, you're going to need to do this. Because it was a hard left turn. Well, you're yeah. a fan of Paul's Boutique, the very next record. And and that's why I think, you know, I think that's why there was slippage. Yeah. And see, to me, that would be the argument that they're overrated because if they were doing just what they were told in order to succeed, yeah, then how much of that was really them? Yeah, that first record really wasn't. I mean, musically, you've got the sampling and the different stuff. It was very creative. But after that record, they came into their own... And I mean, there's some there's some diehard Beastie Boys fans out oh, there. Oh, I'm sure there are. The biography a year ago that I read really helped me understand how ahead of their time they were on okay. some things, touring, uh, just how they set up stuff, how they did, uh, um, how they did, uh, like they got into so much trouble with the sampling, Chuck. They learned how to play instruments for the very next record. Like, let's not get, let's not get yanked into a courtroom for the next couple of years and defend <laughs> our music. Let's learn to play it ourselves. So I say I say underrated. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and see, in my mind, and, and maybe it's just because the names sound together, but th- they're distinctly different groups. I said Moody Blues earlier. I'm coming back at you with the Doobie Brothers. Doobie Brothers? Right down the middle. Right down the middle. Are they in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? And I know we've had this they discussion. They should be. They we, should be. I think so, too. And that's why I would say they're underrated. Yeah. Because, to me, their body of work and their longevity. Yes. Um, and I realize, you know, you and I have quickly uh, reached an age where nostalgia winds up kind of driving us to certain things. Yes. More than the current Okay. Yeah, I wouldn't buy a Doobie Brothers record right now. Right. But you give me that era with Michael McDonald, mm-hmm. let that thing fly. Let's listen to that all day long. Yeah. So that's why I would go underrated on the Doobie Brothers. Yeah. Good stuff. Real good stuff. All right. You can always hit the subscribe button so you never miss an episode, whether well, we send it through or not. Yeah, that's the thing. You... You may miss the episode, but it won't be your it fault. It won't be your fault. <laughs> <laughs> you could also share it with a friend. Uh, it was a good episode, too. I apologize. No, it, it again, was, I'm not on you. Yeah. I, it, I know, but I, I didn't deliver where I should have okay, delivered. Okay, but really, how you're not in the circulation department, are you? Well, it's, you know. Speaking of circulation department. Yes. Do we tell them who we have coming up on Wednesday? Uh, well, I didn't know that it was um, official. Oh, I think it is. Is it? Well, 
we probably shouldn't because it's 2020. Nothing's official. You never know who's Nothing's going to show official. up and who isn't. Mm-hmm. But I, if if you're an observer of the show and you know what circulation department means, <laughs> you might be able to figure it out. Well, hopefully he can uh, know when the right time and date is on like uh, his sports page from last Friday. Oh, my goodness. He was not happy about that. I almost I tweeted him, him something it. over See, the weekend, but well, I was like, ah, that's I, not his fault. You know what? That's why I usually try to direct message those kind of things yeah. rather than tweet. Because if I think that it's going to be embarrassing to some people that I like yeah. and know, I would rather do that privately than publicly. Mm-hmm. Especially because, as you just pointed out, that's not his fault. Yeah. Unless, of course, it's me. Then you come right at me on all the public when? I I don't know. Exactly. I feel like you that's your love know. language with me. You don't know. <laughs> you know when I come right at you is on this show. That's right. And on the other show. And in person. So many shows. So many pe- persons. Yes. Uh, thanks for listening. We're, uh, you're on Twitter, right? I have been known to be there at 46 Sports. All right, sports fans. You're on Twitter, too. At my name is Corey. Thanks yeah. for asking. Mm-hmm. Until next time, Yak fans. Ooga Luga Ian Kinsler. We've had some fun. Yeah, the show is done. Now we gotta run. It's Sports Yak. Sports Yak. Sports Yak is not filmed in front of a live studio audience. We done. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.